Hello listeners and welcome to another podcast of Quote Unquote with KK. Today we are going to talk about governance in public life and how it can lead to happiness in citizens. Let me roll back a bit. We discussed on governance in corporate sector with our podcast with Keval Handa. During Jen Lim's podcast on Beyond Happiness, we discussed about some countries forming happiness ministry in their country and the subsequent fallout of such initiatives in those. To set the context for today's podcast, Gallup recently published the 2021 country rankings for its global law and order. India was ranked 60th, scoring 81, while Pakistan was ranked 48 out of the 121 countries much above India. While countries like US were ranked higher at 22 with a score of 87, recently US President Joe Biden commented Pakistan to be the most dangerous country in the world. Obviously, there is something we are missing out our police in some states have been criticized for not doing their function and job in fact in some of the states their home minister and police commissioners are behind bars or being investigated for their role in corruption and other serious charges how can citizens live peacefully if the police and law order is broken as they do not trust the police and the government for doing their job to discuss all these issues we have dr kiran bedi on our podcast her profile is so illustrious that our whole podcast will go reading it but for your reference dr bedi is an inspirational woman leader social activist india's first and highest ranking woman officer in the indian police service asian nobel peace prize winner politician who fought the elections for the post of delhi chief minister ex governor of puducherry more details on her she was born on 9th june 1949 in punjab in amritsar she attended the sacred heart convent school where she participated in the national cadet corps and interest in tennis made her the winner of junior national lawn tennis championship in 1966 the asian lawn tennis championships in 1972 and the all india interstate women lawn tennis championships in 1970 Dr. Bedi is a BA in English honors and a master's degree in political science from Punjab University Chandigarh and a bachelor of law in 1998 from the Faculty of Law University of Delhi. In 1993 she obtained a PhD in social service from IIT Delhi. She continued her education even after her marriage with Bridge Bedi in 1972. Her daughter Saina was born in 1975 and following her mother's footsteps she is also involved in social service Dr Kiran Bedi began her career as a lecturer in political sciences at the Khalsa College for Women Amritsar in July 1972 she created history by becoming the first woman to join Indian police service her police career has been very illustrious serving in very difficult assignments ranging from the New Delhi traffic police deputy general of police Mizoram advisor to lieutenant governor of Chandigarh director general of narcotics bureau to a United Nations delegation where she became the first civilian police advisor in United Nations peacekeeping operations she was awarded a UN medal she was also the director general of prisons in Tihar jail where she made numerous reforms in the management of prisons and how the prisoners could be reformed as well in 1994 Ramon Magsaysay award 
and the Jawahar Nehru Fellowship was given to her for her work in Tihar. Her last appointment was the Director General of India, Bureau of Police Research and Development in 2005, where she was also awarded an honorary degree of law in recognition of her thesis, Humanitarian Approach to Prison Reforms and Police. She has been a social activist and she has set up Navjyoti India Foundation, NIF, in 1987, along with 17 other police officers. This foundation has been working relentlessly in de-addiction and rehabilitation initiatives for drug addicts and now they work in the sphere of this organization expanded into women literacy and empowerment. In 1994, she set up India's Vision Foundation to bring about police reforms, prison reforms, women empowerment and rural and community. She has been working actively in the political sphere when she joined politics as a member of India Against Corruption along with Dr. Anna Hazare and she later contested elections in Delhi for Chief Minister's post against Arvind Kejriwal. However, she did not make it to the post of Delhi Chief Minister. On, on 22 May 2016, Dr. Bedi was appointed as the Lieutenant Governor of Puducherry. Bedi has introduced several best practices in reforming the governance in Puducherry that are akin to management lessons that were outlined by her at the 50th Governor's Conference in Delhi. From ensuring financial prudence to bringing in community support to having an open house, each of these practices have helped massive development and citizen happiness in Puducherry. Dr. Bedi is a prolific writer and author of several books. Her latest book, Fearless Governance, is a revelation of stark realities of governance and misgovernance. This book is based on the ground realities of her five years of service as the Lieutenant Governor of Puducherry and bringing in her experience of 40 years in the police service. I was so impressed after reading the book that I thought the book should be a template for the best practices of responsible and good government. In fact, the book has been written and commented by several women leaders, including Indra Nui, former chairman of Pepsi. She mentioned fearless governance is a blueprint for good and effective government. The leadership practices cut across public and private. Dr. Bedi has won several public accolades, awards, recognition both in India and internationally and the list goes long. Her life is such an inspiration to many and her work in public service can be a role model for good governance practices in bringing citizen happiness. With this and her experience, I would love to welcome Dr. Bedi to our podcast and discuss some of the issues on good governance and happy citizens. Welcome to our podcast show, Quote and Quote with KK. Dr. Bedi, I would like to start with two aspects that I would love to cover on our podcast show. We have been covering on happiness but governance-led happiness of citizens is the first part of our podcast that I would love to cover with you. And secondly, your life journey, life lessons is a big, big inspiration, not just for me, but to a lot of our listeners as well. And in the second part of our podcast, I would love to cover that as well. So starting off the block, Dr. Bedi, what according to you are the key pillars for good governance? The first pillar of good governance is how trustworthy the leadership is. Do the citizens trust their leader? Not just respect, but trust. Because trust then makes them relax at ease. That adds quality to their life. They know 
there's a predictability about that 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 person will do as he say as he say and that he'll not go back on his word and that he will not deceive him so and also that whatever has been entrusted to him he will honor that so i think the first thing is what kind of perception the leader gives and does that leader live up to that purpose of that uh, that perception and the purpose of his i think the trust is the most important quality of any character is that person trustworthy you see from there you cannot be dishonest if you have to be trustworthy you cannot be telling lies if you have to be trust you have to be not invisible if you have to be you have to be accessible to, right you have to be right communication in being trustworthy otherwise you will never be trust and obviously you will have to be knowledgeable may not be very highly qualified you may not have gone to the best of the phds and the but you can be trustworthy you may can be even very low on qualifications of education but you can be trustworthy like a pradhan of a village can be trustworthy my grandfather is trustworthy he never went to college or school mavish i can blind i can believe i can believe that what my father or my leader or my local lead, uh, representative is saying he will live up to it i don't not so i think it's a first to my mind if you ever i've always asked this what's the best trait in a character i would say trust so leader is asked the leader has asked to be a leader he's chosen to be a leader he had an option to be a follower but if the leader has chosen to say well i'm willing to lead you whether he loves leading whether he enjoys leading but is he trustworthy so my key answer is is he trust does he live up to his word does it deed match is he authentic is he not lying is he not a breach is he not stabbing people at the back is, is he a man of his word on that's a great start trust is the cornerstone for many relationships not just who we elect for 5 years for delhi or for our state as well dr bedi you have written a great book on good governance on your experience as the governor and you have dedicated your life to public service and to ensure good governance and obviously uh, this is bought happiness to millions of people by your deeds and action and the trust that you have developed not just in the administrative and staff but also on the political and the legal side of our government as well what has been your life journey and life lessons that you have learned from there and um, can you share a little bit more about the details of your book the latest book that you have written we're going to be sharing the link also of your book i have read your book as well and i have highly learned a lot of what what can be done even in our corporate uh, world from a governance point of view because i sit on several boards and several advisory boards of uh, different you know regulatory bodies as well so there's a lot to learn from your experience and your book can you share a little bit on your nuggets of wisdom there look my life has been a life of trustworthiness now that we began with trust uh, most humbly i would say there was some voting happened by readers digest some time ago and i was voted as the most trusted woman in india i'm not sure whether you, i do not know whether you know about the survey but it exists it exists and i was quite surprised to see i'm topping the list as uh, the most trusted woman in india i do not know how i deserved it who who voted for me but the fact is that i have my whole effort has to be living up to the trust i'm asking as a police leader i'm asking you see as a teacher which i was i was asking for i did start my work as a lecturer in political science i was asking for and that as a lieutenant governor puducherry i ought i asked in fact i moment i took the oath of office i gave a tea month to the rank and file and to the people of puducherry which is never done on the oath ceremony oath is just taken and you walk away as a lieutenant governor i declared a tea month and do you know what the tea month stood for trust empowerment 
and alignment called the T. Now, which meant I, you can trust, I let the people know you can trust. You can trust me with what you ask for me if it is right and within the law. You can tr and you can trust me that I will uphold the law equally. So I sent the message that I'm here to be trustworthy, but I also want you to earn your trust. I want to earn your trust too and that you remain trustworthy. too. So I said trust will be the cornerstone of our government. Second, I said I'm here to empower you, empower you, delegate to you so that you can govern yourself and lead your own quality of life. And the third was that we will be accountable. It was the T A accountable in alignment and accountable, which means again, you have when you are accountable, you have to be trustworthy. So my cornerstone of my life and work has been trust. And when I said this T mantra gave this uh, the opening statement of, in fact, that's a part of the book. It's the, the, uh, one of the first two second chapter is the oath taking and what right. I gave uh, to. So here it is when I said trustworthy, it meant that you can trust me with government money. You can trust me with government policy. I may not be knowing everything. I do not know it. I'm not an economist. I am not a financial person, but you can trust me that whatever decisions, policies I will formulate, it will be worthy of acceptance because you can trust it. It will be with the best of intention. So therefore, the best thing I did was to form up a proper team, a great, a proper right kind of. And my first word what to my team also was, I'm not changing my, I'm inheriting this. I do not know you. None of them knew Punjabi by the way. None of them, very few knew, knew even Hindi. They were all Tamilians. All of them were Tamil. And I said, I, we, you and I have never worked together, but friends, I want to begin with trust. I trust you and I'm sure you will live up to the trust, but only that person who belies my, then will not be part of my, then I'm not forgiving you. I will act. So I told them either you with me or you outside. So the point is, if you take a chance with me and you get caught, then you're out. But if you trust you are with me, then you, you are consulted. You're part of the decision making. So I'm saying that Pondicherry began with giving him a TT month of account. So which I put myself first that I'm not saying you remain trustworthy. You observe the law. You be honest and you etc. No, I said I it all begins with me. So I began the leadership with offering myself to and saying we will now be in the field. So I also said you will see us. That was my oath ceremony in the opening. It said now friends, ladies and gentlemen, you will see us in the field. Now, how will you be in the field? If you have skeletons in the cupboard, if you have lots to hide, or if you're differentiating, if you're between the your crony capitalism, or you're going or you're doing old selection. So I was, I said I will be as transparent. And then I opened up the Lieutenant Governor's office for open visitation. So open house was another which I immediately did as Lieutenant Governor's office, which I believe was never done before. I believe so. Correct. And had a visitor hour. So you see, I started to live up to the commit I made as a team. So all those things which have been expressed in the book is actually a living of that trust, empowerment and like and accountability. I must congratulate you, ma'am, not just on your book, but while you were in tenure, a lot of social media posts were coming in in terms of what you have done for water, for education, for health. And it used to be propagated across India, maybe across the world as well. And with your photograph or what you have visited, and we used to really follow you as well. And that was really wonderful to know that for a small place like Puducherry, which is a union territory, a lot has been happening there or some action is happening. Although I visited Puducherry before you took up as a governor and we were on the beach and it was stinking. We couldn't even live in guest house there. It was so much of stench that was 
was coming across. I have not visited Puducherry after that, but I'm sure things would have really, really improved during your tenure. And I was glad to see that your post. Now, I want to counter this. A lot of good things happen, but there is a lot of negative energy and a lot of mistrust that gets also created through misinformation and negative media in social media. And how do you think the administration, the police, although many a times I have had to go to the police, the cell for internet and social media and lodge complaints for misinformation and personal defamation. How do you think we could strengthen this as well so that misinformation, mistrust is reduced even on social media? The just You will always have detractors in life. I agree with you, ma'am, but it hurts you also. Personally, it hurts you. I have. No. Uh, the point is that choice is mine. Whether I get hurt or not, that's my choice. I don't give anybody an, uh, an option or a right to hurt me because if they're trying to hurt me, and I'm not getting hurt, they're hurting themselves. And That's number a great two, mantra. I always followed. I always followed that I have to counter it. I sometimes sometimes silence was was a count. And sometimes was a rebuttal account. I did that. I did not take things lying down. But once I rebutted it, now the choice is for the reader to write. So I let it be. That's how I did it, whether it was the social media whether it was in the print media. I had a very hostile political establishment at that time. Very hostile. They were hostile to the government of India. They were totally personally hostile to the Prime Minister of India. They were hostile to everything. They were hostile to every policy of the government of India. And they would be criticizing, abusing, caricaturing, agitating, gerawing the Raj Devas. They were doing all kinds of things only to get eyeball. Their need was votes. Their need was attention. Their need was print media. They could continue to be in the news. They could continue to. So I understood that. But that's that's not what would distract. I continue to counter everything. So if they were, the media had no choice because I put it also on the social media. So Correct. before, I did not give media sometimes a choice to print or not because it's gone to already 13 million people. So what do the choice they have? Because if one media does it, the other media is left behind and they were accountable to their own board saying, why have you not published the news? I, when I found that the media was going to be partial in Pondicherry, when I found that certain, because they have, a, they were dependent for their survival of advertisements from the government. You see, some media, some, not all, some media is dependent on the government for freebie, right? For right. Lots of, so I understood that. I understand that. So if I understand that, that doesn't matter. You live your way. That's your quality of life. That's your way of life. But I have my own responsibility. So I did that. I counted everything. And sometimes I did release a press release and put the ball in their court. So, But to put the record straight, I have a copy of every press release I ate. The media had no choice but to counter it. Sometimes they did it left, right, left, he, left, he, the politician statement, write my statement. Well, let the readers and people were reading. People were reading. Do you know the consequence of that? All of them who were serving, leading me in politics, all lost their election by the time I left. All lost because people did not trust. They knew that they were lying. So their lies actually were voted in. You, None of them got elected. All of them lost. Can you believe it? When I, by the, I had made an exit, but by the time elections were held, the government had fallen and all of them had lost the election. None of them came back before the, all the packs and lies which they were giving. I kept countering and rebutting it. But I, after rebuttal, I went back to my work. I've done my duty. The Choices for the people. So people were making the choices silent, but giving me continue to remain trustworthy. Because you see, they were seeing that I'm actually giving away everything of my own. The Lieutenant Governor's office is open. You can come and talk to me at any time. That means I'm willing to answer any one of your questions, right? Number two, whatever gifts the Lieutenant Governor's office got, I made sure it's given away. I, it's given away to the, as the children came or the men came in, everything was given away. I've left Lieutenant Governor's office 
with the clothing I had. But whatever came for those five years was gifted back to the people then and there. Even the books were gifted back. So that books were given to the officers as a parting gift. So what I'm saying is I continue to live my life while others choosing to live their life. I have no conflict with them. They have a right to their life. I want to take the lessons from your book and I reflect on various state, various governors who have fallen prey to different political vendetta and other issues, be it Delhi, be it West Bengal, be it Rajasthan, be it Maharashtra. And the whole narrative is that this is anti-government of the day in those state or in those territories. And why is that that the governors in those states have not been open candid and created those trust? Is there something missing in, in the way and the style in which they have hold the position representing the, the president of India in those states? Look, everybody has their communication quotient. Everybody has their own emotional quotient. And if your communication quotient is good, you will not rest till you clarify. You will not sleep without clarifying because people have a right to know. When we are governing, right. first is people have a right to know. But the method is how do you communicate? Sometimes you communicate in few words and sometimes you communicate in a written rebuttal. Sometimes you communicate by a social media message. Sometimes you communicate by a television interview. It depends. You have to choose your tool of communication. I was choosing my tool of communication. I think that's the key. And everybody have their own styles of function. Nobody has a similar style because we're all products of our environment and circumstance. So I would say that's where you see a difference. I have a very big difficulty. I'm not a, a nationalist. I believe in my country. I want to do good for my country. I want to deliver some Thing and leave behind as a legacy for my country being an Indian. But the current environment looks at us as if we are pro-Modi or we are anti-Modi. Why is this sort of a trend breaking our country or we are Hindu or anti-Hindu or we are Islamic and Islamophobic? You know, that sort of divides in our country is I feel very saddened that uh, the current governance and whole government and police and all the institutions, including our judiciary, is not able to make peace for once and for all so that the future of this country is stable. How do you think we can probably transform all these institutions and all these things of our colonial mindset into building a India which is very future oriented and positive and the people trust into India? You know, there are, uh, when you have a democracy of this kind, everybody wants to be in power. When you, know, are, in it's, it's, and it's, when it's, you are in politics, that's what correct. the game is. You're not in correct. politics for social welfare. Then you be an NGO. In politics means you want to be in power and you want to stay in power or you want to get into power. So these political games will never go, never go. That's why everybody is not politically inclined. Everybody is not cut out to be in politics. You need a different kind of personality and character uh, traits to be in electoral politics. I'm talking about electoral politics. Electoral politics is cutthroat. It's a rival. It's a survival of the fittest. So that be it. So therefore, when government in power or government in opposition, they will have their own learning, which brings them back to power. Because otherwise, how do you, even if your intention is good for the nation, how do you do that unless you are in power and unless you win seat? Now they know the pulse of the people, what works. They know. You and I don't know. Correct. The access to information they have and analysis, a man does not have. So they decide the narrative. So therefore, understand politics. Therefore, everybody, we've got to give them that devil the due. So when they are making a statement, it's for the common man to understand why is he or she 
doing it, accept it or reject. But this will go on. This will not go. Look, I'm watching very closely even the British Prime Minister's ascendancy and yesterday how he faced the parliament, how right. he faced hostility in the parliament, how he was taken to task for many things and how he emerged. Only do, do you know why? Because he still enjoys authentic leadership trust. So I think the onus is on the people, on the leadership to, to earn the trust of the people. So even if they're narratives of hostility of another kind, if people still trust the lead, the key leader or the leadership or his governance at the time of hustings, he'll score up. He will come. He will come. Because that is the silent majority, which is not airing its views, will say, we know. We know exactly what happened in Pondicherry. Nobody came up to say, we ma'am, we trust, but how did it smash them up? See, that's just, that's a record. I'm not creating it. So I would think, I would say, since I've done an election, you see, I fought an election. I know that, ma'am. I was going to come and talk about that as well. I'm so glad I went through that experience because I know that experience. And that's why I said never again. I said never again because that's not me. That's not my cup of That's not my nature. Because on one hand, they were trading lives after life. And on the other hand, I said, no, I can't do this. I don't have the budget. Somebody would walk up to me saying, would you do this free? Would you do this free? I said, no, let me run. Let me come in. Let me look at my budget. Where are the sources coming from? Only then can I announce. I cannot announce now. They said, oh, would you appoint here? Would you give us free seats? I said, no, I will go by. Let me read the rules. What the rules say. I was saying this. Whereas the other side was saying, oh, when she comes at 11 o'clock, all the bars, etc., will be all locked up. There'll be nothing like that. There'll be curfew. How do you counter that? So the point is, I'm so glad I lost because it took me away from those uh, those packs of lies. Because that's what lies, that's their narrative. But people fell a prey to that narrative. Well, well, they prayed, that's their choice. So people have a right to choice. The choice, they set me free. Otherwise, I would have been dedicated and my, my house would have been never a, ho a home. It would have been a large public place. Today, I have a right to my own time, space. What I want to do, I can. There's a sense of freedom. I got my freedom back. So I think everybody is not cut out of everything. So people make the narratives. It's for the people to decide which narrative to want to go by. I want to put a question here. You fought the politics in the rightiest way. And I know the results and the world also knows the results. But personally, you know, it's very difficult for people to accept defeat. And personally, uh, even uh, when we are into some sort of a competitive position, it's very difficult because we have put all our heart and soul and energies to win. But you know, it's not a game of cricket, you know, one, one, one. it definitely shakes you to reevaluate and rethink about yourself. How did you take that defeat on your chin and, and said, okay, let's move on and let's do something constructive beyond what you fought for? You'll be surprised to know my response. It was a celebration. Oh, wow. I got my freedom back because I knew that was a surrender of another kind. It was a surrender of another kind. And I realized I was not prepared for me. And policing has been a surrender to administrators because it is going by the law. I'm an ad I'm by nature administrator. I'm not a politician by nature, electoral politician by nature. I'm not that. So I knew I was not my nature, but I was fighting election for a reason. And that honor, that reason and that thing was met. I celebrated. I the next day I flew back to honor my commitments, which were made speaking engagements overseas. I had not cancelled them because I was not sure of my victory either. So they were all on hold. And therefore, for me, it was not a defeat. For me, it was an experience. If I'd won it, it would have been a total surrender. Then nothing else would have mattered, only serving the people with the right intention. But once I was set free, for me, it was a celebration of my own space and time. So I think that's the way I look. For me, it was not a defeat. I'm so glad I went through this wonderfully well-earned experience. It was not a defeat because I gave it all. All the 30 days of campaigning, I was 
hardly sleeping for two hours a day. I don't think I would have liked to live with that kind of life at all. But if I'd been elected, I would have owed an order responsibility. Then I would have taken it straight away and then it would have meant nothing else matters. But I want to ask you a very personal question here. I'm sure you surrendered, but in our current administration and our governance and politics, there have been some very powerful and very, very impactful political leaders. We have our external affairs minister. In the past government, we had a general who has managed a portfolio in the central government. And we have had several other such administrators who have really elevated themselves to the political life and really directed the country to a very beautiful path. Do you think you would love to take it up again and maybe think of being a home minister of this country? No way. I think it's a, these, these are very important choices and decisions to be made by the leader who only knows best what that position demands. You've got to trust the leader and he, it is in fact his prerogative. At the moment, it is his prerogative to find the person which will fit his vision, his method of work, right? his plan of working. Not anybody and everybody. Not as you and I think, but as he, because he is to work and get the work done. And he is saddled with very onerous responses. So you've got to see, that's why he chose. I, I'm so happy that he's choosing very valuable people for very, very, very important positions like the ones you mentioned. The reason why I'm asking you this is our home ministry needs a, a radical reform. And I can tell you in the state that I, I am currently residing, Maharashtra, we have lost trust in our police force. Although there have been certain very, very famous and very, very known police commissioners of the state. But in the last dispensation in our state, the whole police administration was, I do not know what to say, corrupt, vendetta. I do not know what was happening. And now we have got the whole police commissioner also behind bars or where he is absconding, we don't know. And there needs to be a reform because policing is a state subject, but there has to be a strong mechanism and your experience would have helped build that trust into our police administration through the home ministry. If you were to be made a home minister, how would you think we can really transform this situation that we are currently getting into? I'm not going to answer any conjecture. Well, what's your view? How do My you think we can? I mean, I, I don't think I can trust the police of our state now. Policing is clearly in the hands of two people in the state. You mentioned Maharash, two people. One is the Home Minister himself, but directly working with the Chief Minister of that state. So what the CM and the HM of that state wants happens. happens. Yeah, but one is behind bars now. That's right. So they are. They choose. They decide. They This is their decision. After all, they have to decide what kind of leadership they want to give, what kind of rule of law they want to give. They have to decide. If they are just choosing to be selected, then they, it is their loss because one day they will be getting, getting beaten because people are watching. The media is right. Secondly is, it's also in the hands of the leadership of the police, which is the director general. But then you, he will be totally at crossroads with the political leadership if they're not in alignment. Either they're in alignment with favor or they're disaligned. Either they're aligned on this or they're disaligned. They're in alignment with favor, right? Cronyism. So Correct. it's a, so the DGPs sometimes to survive for themselves also pick and choose their battle. That's it. They pick and choose their battle and they lose some, they win some. And in the end, they lose. In the end, they lose. And you saw many of them. And yeah, and this is what concerns me as a citizen. How do That's we transform this situation, which is getting bad to worse with every succeeding state government in not just Maharashtra, I see other states as well, where it is the trust of the people in the police. Then it's the rule of the Jangal Raj of the Bihar, which will come all over the India, which is what I'm more concerned about if this continues. Well, if the goal is survival 
on both sides. What can you do? <laughs> you That's not service, but survival. One last question on the governance and things that I have read about from your book. Given that you what you have put together, this is a grade 101 for anybody who wants to get into administrative service or serve the nation. I was wondering, you know, how could this become a great template for good governance for happy citizenship? Let me tell you, uh, my son, he did a class 10 project with Janagra where the whole thing was kids in school were taught civics. Who's the president? All the things you just mug and you write for 20 marks or whatever marks in civics. But what they did was creating this whole template which they took to all the schools in Karnataka for the kids to know you're learning civics. But the flip side is what are your civic duties and responsibilities to be able to guide and be a good citizen? I think your book gives that perspective for an administrator and everything. But I want to hear that flip side as a template. You know, you've written into multiple parts how citizens have come and fighting for their rights. Would this be your second book as a template for good governance and happy citizenship to know their rights and duties? Because sometimes people are very naive. Look, students are being taught. They are, be they are only reading. Correct. But they're not doing. If you and that's the reason why this, this whole project Janagara took over. If you want to teach good citizenship, put them as cadets. Make them scouts and guides. Make them cadets. See, make them do responsibilities as citizens early on. They're only reading. Correct. They're not doing. Put them in social work. They're reading social work. They're reading criminology. They're reading. But they're not seeing. They're not doing. You cannot learn without doing. If the students of 10th standard, that's what the national new national education policy wants interns, apprentices. If our students at the age of 16, they're given attachments with or at the age of 18, university students, they attach themselves with government departments as apprentices, just as the prime minister is picking up assistant secretaries, young IS officers as to begin with the department. He's grooming them. Yeah. Why don't we groom our youth to govern, youth to understand governance and administration? So why can't we have public works department having engineers, students from engineering colleges, attachments with the department? Why can't we have students of, of medical colleges, attachments to the dispensaries and the medical department, right? Why not? Why can't we have students from teaching department as assistants, as assistants to teachers in school, right? Why can't we have from similarly on technology? Every department can also have apprentice and internship attached to the departments. What would, it will have two way benefits. One, Correct. the youth will understand governance very early. Secondly, that the department also will get tra transparency because they will be watched. They will participate. They will see things for themselves, right? Correct. Similarly, rural department. Why can't agriculture students attach themselves with the agriculture department, water harvesting and many other issues? Why can't we do that? If we do this with the university, school students of 12th standard, post-grad, and make this into a project writing, maybe that that is the grade they give. What do you know to overseas universities are doing that? Today, general universities are not saying how many grade, how many marks you've got. What did you do beyond? Correct. What will you do beyond the mark? And today, many of the students are coming back to us and they say, ma'am, can you please take us as an intern with your non-profit organization? We want to earn. I said, nothing in nothing without earning. This is the project. Do it. You pass, you are assessed, we'll give you a certificate. And you know, that's giving them those admissions in foreign universities. We're not giving any farzi certificate to any, any one of these interns. Today, the NGOs, good, credible NGOs are in demand demand for certificates for certain students who want to study overseas and get a authentication for that. So that's what the universities are doing. What extra? So why are we not giving credit for extra work or social work? So these 
people can go and teach science students can go and teach a student of second standard and third standard. Mathematics student of 12th standard can do voluntary hours every week for, for taking up extra classes. Why not? Unless you instill the civic sense at the when they're teenagers, 18, 19, 17, they're teenagers. Once you do that, then they'll understand what is civic, the civic sense, civic, uh, civic subjects. Otherwise, they won't. They'll only read theory and criticize. Here, they will read the theory and practice. Then they'll understand uh, what are the difficulties and challenges in governance. Look, police cadets. Why don't we have police cadets? They can be attached to police station and work with the traffic police, work with the local police, do night rounds in the police control vans. Policing will also be better. Young boys and girls. Look, right. India needs this kind of revenue. If you want to create new citizens, it's like Agni Veers. You're picking up Agni Veers to catch them young to become young. Why not do administrative Veers, sar Sarkari Veers, governance Veers? Why not we Karam Karam Veers now? Karam, karam Veers. Why don't we have Karam? Right. So the Samaj Ke Karam Veers. Why not every student pick up and then the government also open? I tried this by the way. I tried this to do internships, but the political establishment comes in the way. Political establishment does not want this transference. The political establishment certain places doesn't want this kind of collaboration and cohabitation and hand-in-hand -hand working. Why? Because it's hiding its budget, the way it's spreading, the way it's dealing with files the way it's looking so i would think this is what but look that means if the bureaucrats want it let's say that bureaucrats want it they will be opposed by the elected representative because they are breaking into the monopoly of the elected representative see the problem is coming here this is exactly what happened in pondicherry and it's written in the book how the political establishment came in the way of greater transfer so while the some bureaucrats were open to it and some were not because they were looking up to the person who was right there a prison so these need to be state and government of india policy where the youth teenager to become a good citizen of India to prepare himself with governance now. Then the person will know what governance is. Then he'll really look what the All India Civil Services means. It's not about cramming and passing those exams and then becoming an IS officer and then going through the regular training. Give them the it's a very valid point, ma'am. Give them this field exposure before they choose. That means they should know that this is It's all service 24 by 7. What policing stands for, what governance stands for, what administration administration stands for and where is the government budget going how tough it is to invest on in infrastructure people want more but you are not having money and why are they not uh, imposing a certain tax on certain things which because it's vote bank the, but they're depriving the coffers of that revenue which they can generate like for instance in Pondicherry there were lots of very valuable property whose rents had not been revised for years years no rent revised and very good white town property when I asked for why don't you revise these rents it's a vote bank they will not mm. touch them See, so even if you want to do it, bureaucrats may want to do it, the politicians will come in the way. So it's coming back to the to the vote bank. How do they? They don't want to annoy anybody. But well, in the process, governance is suffering. We have to now start at the grassroots level with the younger generation about their own learnings on civic so that they can start to elect better leaders and be educated yes. enough to be able to empathize with the administration and be a voice for the administration for clean yes. governance then. You know, Pondicherry has not had panchayat elections for 10, 11 years. Correct. They've been losing all the grants which government of India gives to panchayats, not having elections. Why? Because panchayats will throw up new younger generation of leaders. The moment it does, you will have a new crop 
fighting in the assembly election. At the moment, it is the same group which comes and goes. The same chain of 30-40 people. That's it. But the moment you have panchayat elections, which have not even directed by the Supreme Court of India to hold panchayat elections, they've not held. They've defied the court and not held. Why? Because new NGOs will women will women will come up in a very big group because women are actually the really earning backbone of politics and they've d- developed SAG leadership, but they're not being done because it's a whole new young leadership. So this is being denied. That's what I'm saying. Actually, some class of vested is actually holding back the national, the future of this country. You talked about transparency and recently the government also announced various measures to open up transparency, whether it's for police jobs and for other jobs and in other departments. But one thing, if I want to even renew my driving license, I'm not able to do that because I move from one state to another. That's for the traffic police. If I were to even raise a complaint online with the cyber also i just have to write an email but i do not know what's happening there's no tracking mechanism although we have got such great technology in our country but transparency in some of these processes and mechanism i'm just taking an example of the police force but there are other departments as well how do you think you know from the pondicherry example of creating that transparency could be opened up to the citizens themselves to know where they stand or where the administration stands or where the politician stands in terms of the action that has been taken or or the policy that has not been taken. That's also something that uh, we we should be blamed for not asking the government to ensure that they open up these systems and be very transparent in telling the citizens. I think we need a security audit, a security rating, just as we got now Swachta rating, development rating. I think we need to also have statewide security rating. Where is every policing at state like delhi delhi police is moving far ahead in technology karnataka police is moving far ahead in technology tamil nadu police is moving far ahead in technology use of technology so like today's news was very interesting where the police commissioner is saying that we will have a data lake data right. lake which means every video which you capture on cameras which is kept you put you you dump it in the in the data lake and there is a similarity now what's happened by this data lake if i've had a crime of a robbery and he's it's been committed let's say in mandir mar police but you captured the thing on the closed circuit television but he's turned out to be a bad character of let's say model town police station so when you dump it there then you will be able to do a face recognition and you know hey this is a bad character who just been released from the prison and i'm telling you this is an actual case it's an actual case where mandir mar robbery was traced to a bad character of kingsway police kingsway camp police station or model town but they traced it through cameras and the bad character was just being released from prison. So when you do a lake data, you are dumping it all. You will get it traced like this because at the moment it's all paper record. You're tra- taking time. But moment you have a data lake, see, these are where digital improvements are happening. But some states where they have the money or they're putting money into security, you are improving. But other states who are not doing good financial prudence, they're not doing financial management, have no money to invest or police technology because this all costs money. So the question is state, every state is a different level of its administration and government. Some are behind and some are moving forward. But also, how are they using it? Whether they're investing into it? The answer lies in greater use of technology. FIR registration, tracking your case, finding out your investigation, even the court date. Where is the case pending? Which court? Which is the next date? I think soon that will come. But it needs a convergence of minds, particularly all India 
home ministers. Here, when my prime minister was addressing the minister, my chief minister would decide not, not to come. See, here is a divide at the moment. They're not even attending. Some of them are attending the prime minister's conference. They're letting a junior minister come or just the secretary go, sometimes not even allowing the chief secretary. I think this is where the tragedy The states have to converge on certain policies which are good in the national security. This is where there's no, there's a lack of convergence. So how can you have data lake of India? You can have data lake. You mean to say UP, UP prisoner does not, UP person doesn't commit a crime here? Don't you think oh, Rajasthan or neighboring states? You need a national data, national lake, national data lake where you, because of the mobility of crime and digital crime and cyber crimes. So I think one day this will come sooner the better. But still we need to do data security audits of the state of affairs of policing and the use of information technology data. My experience uh, when I was with the World Bank Committee for the State Government of Karnataka, some uh, very startling statistics that emerge. And I'm talking about healthcare. I'm not making a very generic statement. But what emerged was for every one rupee that the government spends, only 20 odd paisa used to be what was the benefit that the citizen received. In other words, 80 paisa or 80% was actually going into cost of administration and delivery. And that is where, again, you know, if we don't have budgets or our budgets are stretched is because we are overspending on administration and the delivery of the service and that cost itself needs to be optimized or reduced so that more budget can go to the direct delivery to the end citizen. How do you think this could be templatized and improved upon? You have written a few things about this also in your book as far as the PWD department is concerned and a few more departments where you have initiated certain efforts to, you know, put the dashboard in place to understand where the delay or the systems are breaking down so that the costs are escalating. How do you think we could probably improve on this based on your experience and I think this will do a great improvement to the happiness of our citizens as well. I've been suggesting one thing very simple which costs nothing to the government of India or the governments of the states. Make mandate every government official to start his or her day from the field. Mm -hmm. Start with visiting your office, problem areas, process strategy, policies, implement implementation, manpower development, training level, their motivation, their all these things you look at as a pack. So let's say education secretary. Education secretary starts his day with visiting any one school. Start looking at the way the school is functioning. How is it spending? What process is it following? What kind of record keeping is it doing? What is the morale and the quality, the premises, etc. So how is it recruiting? How is it paying? How is it fun? All that. So one school, imagine if they know that the education secretary unannounced will come in the morning. Attendance will go up. Teachers behave, teachers, the outputs will, in, inputs will improve. Outcomes will be better. Let's look at health second. Suppose he starts his day 9 a.m. with any dispenser. He looks at their audit. How are they dispersing the medicines? Talks to the people who are waiting there. How long have you waited? Are you getting the medicines? Are they being recorded properly, etc.? You can get a feedback. Moment you start doing that, you're cutting costs. You're bringing in quality of life. You're reposing trust in people. You're improving, bringing happiness and joy amongst people. That here is a person we have appointed, or he is appointed, who's looking after us. Similarly, in PWD said, why can't he start with one project at a time? There's so many projects and they're all overrunning. Why Correct. can't he start one project? And that may be 8 a.m. That may be 9 a.m. But he's on one project site every morning. He spends an hour mandated. Go to office up. You will see a dramatic. We have only to mandate. Everybody starts the day. You know what's coming in the way again? Sometimes politicians. They say, why are you coming in the field? Politicians and Pondicherry told my secretary. 
ये तो हमारा काम है आप क्यों आ रहे हो आपका तुम्हारा काम तो दफ्तर में योर वर्क इज टू वर्क फ्रॉम दफिस And made sure he leaves the place. It happened, and it's written in the book. So who's coming in the way? These the same kind of people who want the status quo, who want their own monopolies, who want the cuts out of their own projects. So, but in material of that, what happened? Because we, I was going on the ground. Even they were blocking my going to the ground. By the way, they were one day deciding that we would send a maker back. I cycled my way through the crowd. I said, "Okay, you try obstruct my way of my working because I'm a duty bound person to work." So you see, that's all that's needed. Just I'm saying nothing else. Let every secretary go and see the process, and you will see processes changing. You know why? My the hard jail changed because of that. If you go yes, back and that is something I wanted to talk as well as an inspirational. Uh, story the hard reforms happened because of i was walking the prison every day at 9 am traffic police changed because i was on the road at 8 am i'm a very good i i'm a lover of field work 8 am every day for traffic police i was as dcp traffic 9 am as i 8 am all police stations as dcp and similarly for the lieutenant governor's office every weekend i was in the rounds on the uh, walking the rounds so if and also taking secretaries out but secretary bureaucracy is not very excessive see they are habituated they are habituated to comfort zone all this means getting out of comfort zone. you you have to be out of the you have to discipline up a morning and be out on the round at 9 am if you do that india will change dramatically in the immediately you will start seeing there will be huge money saving people will be today i saw a circular of pondicherry government pondicherry government today on my whatsapp somebody shared do you know it saying be punctual otherwise we will check why are they being told to be punctual why because people are complaining that when they go to their offices they nobody is there nobody is there nobody is accessible why does the board not say I'm on field duty from 9 a.m. 10 a.m. My visitor hours are 11 to 12. Why don't you have an open hour? Why not open hour? That's what people need. So you can talk of happiness and trustworthiness. This is the way you can earn trust and give joy and happiness to people when they know there's somebody caring, caring us, caring for us. You have been a very inspirational person, and your journey has been inspirational to so many of our listeners as well. I wanted to ask a few personal questions, if you don't mind, before we wrap up. You see, ma'am, if you you were to live your life again what would you have done better now or differently i would have learned more technology from school <laughs> infosys join karna hai iska matlab <laughs> nahi infosys ni join karna join sarkari karna hai huh. oh yeah i love that if i were to relive i would go back to the same service, same uniform oh god i love the way i lived my life but i would have loved you uh, learning technology much earlier number 2 i would have read more classics much earlier i think i would have only done two things Re- read more classics and learn more technology i saw your serial that used to come on doordarshan in black and white television in those days when i was growing up as a kid and there were a few scenes of your life that has made an impact not just to me because of my mother who's a woman and she also struggled to bring us up and bring right values in us but also that your struggle of your life that i remember it very vividly and what is the inspiration that you would love to give to a lot of women who are struggling at this point in time or even not able to break the glass ceiling either in the government or in the corporate world if there is any and force yourself to emerge as a credible and a trustworthy leader look anything you do by choice anything you do with awareness and consciousness is not a struggle i worked hard in my life by choice because it needed it so if you say it's not a struggle i played tennis matches it was not a struggle i played by choice i lost right. many 
I won many. It is not a struggle. It is not. I travel third class travels. It is not a struggle. It is a part of learning. Anything you do by choice is not a struggle. So if you're working hard, but you're doing it by choice, it's not a struggle. You should welcome it because the hard work bears very high. I would love to get your perspective on time management. I know I, I have read your book as a governor of Puducherry as well. And now uh, post uh, that in your current avatar. You've been able to achieve so much in this same 24 hours, which we all struggle. And on top of that, you have been able to even write a book. And then you are also traveling and doing your talk shows and presentations and reach out. How do you manage that time? Because I also struggle sometimes between my own personal aspiration, my business needs and the needs of my family. It's a tough juggle. And that's something would be very important to know from you. I've said somewhere in my biography book, it's, I've said, People who are, don't value time are lottie charged by time. Yes. Isn't it? Correct. I don't want to be lottie charged. I don't want to be lottie charged. I want to be in charge. I want to be in charge. I choose my time. I choose my plan. I choose my day. I plan my day. I plan a restful day. I plan my walk. I do a walk. I read and I do multi. I do more than one thing. My treadmill has a wonderful table on it. I can read and walk. I can read okay. and see. So I can do lots of where I can combine a few things. I do. But where I can't. I put aside time. So I plan my day, but I love, I value my time. For me, what is most precious is your time and what you do with the time. In the time, it's also my own time. When I exercise for myself, I pray for myself or I do my yoga or I walk my nature or I, but I have a very good planner. I also buy time, by the way. What I can get from others, I buy time. My home management is bought time. I spend to get quality of life at home. So I spend, I don't save. I don't save where I spend, but I get my time and I can do more. So I think it's what rocks you put into the jar first, not the pebbles in the sand. I put the rocks first. Well put, ma'am. One issue that people who are from a police force and they're very disciplined and that's why you're very disciplined, I would say, as far as your time is concerned. People like us and people in the corporate world can't be policed, you know, then there will be a rebellion in the organization or the corporate world. So sometimes, you know, for us to buy that time itself is so difficult because even if I were to delegate it, then the corporate world is it. I hope you understand where I'm coming from. And that is where a lot of my colleagues and people at the top are very hard pressed for time, even for themselves sometimes. The sacrifice on time and the return on time for themselves itself is so disbalanced. How do they discipline themselves like a police person on their time is an issue that I would love to learn from you. Look, it's not the police department which taught me discipline. Okay. I was already a disciplined student before I joined the police. That's why I liked going. I would have never ever fitted into the police and loved continued policing because I was already loving discipline. I was a personally disciplined student, a disciplined player and disciplined in time management. That's why I could achieve two scholarships at the same time. Probably one of the rare who created history got an academic and sports scholarship because of my time management. I had lots of friends, but I never wasted around any time. When they, why would they waste away? I invested into myself. So uh, while I enjoyed life, I never let time fritter out of my hands when I could do something better. So I was already disciplined. So police didn't discipline me. I disciplined okay. them. So <laughs> I disciplined by leading them. How did I discipline them? By leading them. By leading them. 
by showing them the way, going the way, leading the way. And then by example, when you lead by example, you are punctual by yourself. You are upskilling yourself. You constantly communicating yourself. You connecting with people. You're leading the way. People will follow you. You are not telling them, I'm going. Who will not? You're the leader. How will not others follow you? So the question is, you lead the way. You inspire people and people will, they trust you, they'll follow you. But if you say, I'm doing this, but you do this, don't order. Just do. Start doing it. See, akela chala tha karma banta hai. As a leader, sometimes you may have to walk alone. Karma follows. What is going to be Dr. Kiran Bedi version 3.0 now? That's not part of my plan. <laughs> I, I flow. I think we must learn to flow with time and enjoy and rejoice what comes. Opportunities, whatever opportunity comes, I grab it. I choose very carefully my invitation where it's worth worthy being investment. So I don't know. But I don't have a plan. My plan is to live every day. With this note, we all would love to bless you a very healthy, long life so that you can continue to inspire not just people like us, but a lot of women as well in this country. And obviously make some amends and at least drive some sort of reform in our administration and our governance as well. But there have been some very beautiful takeaways from this conversation that I have had in terms of how to create a governance-based happy citizens in this country. And trust is the key takeaway from this conversation that I have had with you. It's been lovely talking to you on this podcast. And I would love to thank on behalf of our team, our sponsors who have made it possible to have you on our show. And I would love to come and meet you personally one of the days when I'm in Delhi to get the book as well autographed. Thank you very much and God bless. And we wish you continue to inspire a lot of people in our country. I've enjoyed talking to you. Thank you for the opportunity you gave me. Thank, thank you, you, ma'am. Wish your show the very best. Jain. Upcoming shows all the very best. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you.